Welcome to Mystical Musings, February 16th, 2014, here in the Library of Colorado Heights University, the highest spot in Denver. Beaming out from this highest spot with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of, those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian and non-denominational, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us, for creating our community of mystics, people seeking to obtain unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know spiritual apprehension of truths beyond the intellect. I am because we are. I am one because we are celebrating body and spirit. Today's mystical musing, holding our own hearts, holding others. At this time of the year, we celebrate the wonders and the joys of love for others, for ourselves, and for the Creator. We celebrate romance and we celebrate love beyond romance. The love that we honor honors all of us in all the ways we love, from our unique ways of being ourselves to our unique way of loving what God is for us. We will suggest some ways of holding our own hearts and our own inner family that enable us to hold the love of the hearts of others. Appreciating now ourselves as a miracle of the benevolent creator, we appreciate and hold in love those around us. Beginning now, we look at the deep intimacy we have with ourselves and others and with divine presence. And so we begin where we are, here, now, in this moment, breathing a little more deeply. Maybe to uncross and unencumber if there are things in your laps and to uncross arms and legs if you so choose. Breathing just a little more fully because so many of us tend to hold our breath just a little bit. 
We're the only critter on the planet that does that. And as such, we need to awaken a little to just breathing slightly more fully. Noticing where the breath seems to start. And as we breathe, breathing into heart. Consciously and intentionally bringing our breath, the spirit of life, into our hearts. Right here, right now. Holding our heart by attending to our heart, breathing into it, noticing if you can sense its beating. Notice if you are not sensing its beating that you might imagine sensing its beating. Beginning to hold our own hearts, attuning to the unfolding heart with each breath, rising and falling into our heart. As distraction appears and thinking asserts itself, notice and return to breathing heart. With each breath, letting go of our facial mask, softening jaw, tongue, eyes, sensing for beating heart, imagining your own heart pulsing, noticing for any arisings in your heart, images, memories, feelings, sensations, holding our own hearts by listening to what heart might be saying, bringing your hands towards your heart, but not touching just right at the surface of what they call the Curlian field, the field where our energy extends out from us just a little bit. And just with each breath, sensing your own heart, maybe with tingling hands, sensing with each inhalation and energizing of the heart you might imagine a glowing ember with each breath in that the ember glows. Feeling that your hands may be responsive and tingle with each breath, fanning the ember of the glowing heart. And then with each exhalation, allowing your hands to ever so slightly move outwardly just a little bit as if you were just giving that heart out to the universe. And so when you inhale, you're bringing your hands slightly towards your heart. And when you exhale, the hands are offering the heart back out to spirit. Slight little mudra, a gentle oscillation with each breath, with each heartbeat, a gentle movement of your hands, 
receiving in the energies that empower our hearts and enliven them. And then ever so slightly the hands opening out and giving that extraordinary heart energy back out into the world. And it can be as small or as large as you would like to make it. A heart holding that is dynamic, albeit tiny. As you inhale and your heart is pulsed into, and as you exhale, you might beam out a prayer, a wish, a hope, a blessing. A growing awareness of the subtle energies, hands tingling, rib cage, heart cage expanding with each breath, protecting and allowing us to beam out the blessings and receiving in the prayer. What is the quality of your presence with your own heart right now? Asking yourself, what is my attitude today, right now? Checking in consciously and intentionally, what am I feeling emotionally in this moment? Hands can stay up or down as you wish. Be comfortable. What is my emotion? Giving conscious space to feeling heart. Feeling feelings. Without judgment. With a lot of love for this precious heart child of God. Holding my own heart in love. Namaste. Welcome. I would like to uh, join Lawrence in welcoming everyone here. We have some new people here. So I just want to take a minute to tell you a little bit about how we roll in this, uh, in this mystical musing. Much of what we do is improvised so that it can be totally up to date. It can be the last minute. So yesterday's news is old news. So, um, so when I speak and when I play the piano, it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of a spiritual crapshoot. But it's, <laughs> but at least I know that I'm up to date, right? This is the, this is the Myron of this moment. We do some music a couple of times. We do music, after which, we have a long silence. We think of sacred music not as a performance. It's not as something you applaud. It's not about recognizing the performer. It's about bringing us into a rich, deep silence. And so after the music, just sit and be silent and be where you are. So 
Again, it is wonderful to have you here. Because we operate spontaneously, um, every musing has a different energy, and that energy is caused by the different people who come here. So what we speak out of and what we play the piano out of is this unique field. And this unique field may never, ever appear again. And so we want to enjoy it while we have it. And in ways we'll talk about in a minute, send it out into the world. So thank you for coming. And thank you for being open to learning something even more about love in a way that's all we teach. Um, no matter what the title is, what we're looking for is to teach love. But it is fun sometimes to have that as the actual topic. So we can share with you what we're learning that's new about love. So thanks again for coming and, um, and joining a community that has open mind and open heart. And please feel safe in this community to open your heart all the way. Open your mind all the way. It's what we do. Thank you for coming.
spontaneous compositions that take 65 years to create. Thank you, Myron. What challenges we face here in the new era of this 21st century? There's such an unsettled collective sense currently with the acceleration of exponential change, the tsunami of technological transformation sweeping over the globe. Here in America, the flat middle class income for over 30 years, the great wealth gap, the gigantic wave of climate change pummeling our planet in so many growingly extreme ways, the intractability of the polarized politics in the federal process, the extreme skewing of facts and truth in the media, the appearance of proliferating gun violence here in America, now with towns in California with severe drought, the increasing likelihood that fresh water will become a commodity more valuable than oil in many areas of the world. No wonder anxiety is a collective response to our volatile times. One of the ways we hold our own hearts in love in the face of this anxiety is to find the light amid the world's darkening. One of the ways we hold others' hearts is to find the light amid the darkening. By so doing, we lighten the collective load. And so, each month, I look for evidence. Even evidence that is just beginning or incipient, that points to possible positive transformation. Not for the few, but for the many. In past musings, we've looked at many examples from technology, from philanthropy, from new expressions of spirit, often from the perspective of bottom-up change. This month, I offer a rare top-down piece of evidence for positive mass transformation. Pope Francis. (laughs) On the cover of Rolling Stone, no less. says underneath it, the times, they are a-changing. My goodness, a pope who exudes empathy, joy. He smiles in public. A pope who lives a deep devotion to the economically disenfranchised. What a change. What a transformation. Pope Francis thrives on personal contact pays his own hotel bill upon being elected pontiff, cracks up cardinals at his own expense at the first dinner having been elected, saying, may God forgive you for what you have done. (laughs) In Vatican terms, this pope so far is positively revolutionary. He eschews the sumptuous sumptuous luxury of the apostolic palace for a modest two-room apartment and thereby, for the first time in modern history, eludes the control and surveillance of the Vatican bureaucracy. They really don't know what he's up to each day. (laughs) He cold calls people who have sent him letters. To one stunned Italian, he says, Ciao, Michel, it's Pope Francis. (laughs) Can you imagine? Ciao. He scolds church leaders for being obsessed with divisive social issues like birth control, abortion, and gay marriage. Granted, doctrine is unlikely to change, but in an institution built on symbols, 
Pope Francis is changing the church in real ways with his words and symbolic gestures. Who am I to judge? He famously said in response to gay people and being inquired about that. He devotes his first major written teaching to a scathing critique of unchecked free market capitalism, all of which reveals Pope Francis is truly aligning less with the Vatican splendor and more with the boss's son. Jesus? (laughs) You guys got two out there with Myron's playing there. (laughs) The boss's son. Okay, okay. Um, (laughs) And not only um, is this amazing Pope, this month's prime example of incipient evidence for mass positive transformation, but he also evokes in me a rare hope for a new revelation. The last major religious figure to claim revelation was the leader of the Mormon church in 1978 uh, when the Mormons came to the realization that black folk were cool. Isn't it time for a new revelation? And isn't Pope Francis ripe for such a revelation? For example, that women and gay people need to be regarded and treated as full human beings. That tradition alone is simply not sufficient to continue institutionalized bigotry. That awakening in our new era is a part of human destiny. With our remarkable incipient evidence, Pope Francis, holding him in our hearts, feeling your heart as you hold him there tuning into the love that arises from this joyous being. Feeling the welling in your chest with each breath, maybe even a tingling, a lightness. And now on the out-breath, beaming to someone with whom you might have conflict, a challenge. So with the welling of the energies of this remarkable man at this extraordinary time, beam to someone who challenges you, a prayer, a sense of peace, love. On each out-breath beaming this huge love and well-being and peace and joy. And you know, there is the yin and the yang. So the yin and the yang, the dark and the light. That means when you inhale toward that same person, feel the suffering that they cause you right now on the in-breath. As you breathe in, without judgment, without resistance, Receive that suffering. Allow that suffering. And on the out-breath, beam peace, joy, love, accepting in suffering and in the remarkable alchemy that is our human destiny transforming that suffering into love, accepting in the suffering and beaming out the love. 
Namaste. I honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, of peace. As you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste.
we are experiencing these days a rapid forward movement of evolution, of spiritual, emotional evolution. And we are in a way between the worlds, between the old paradigm, which worked beautifully for its time, and the new paradigm, which is inviting us a little bit more each day into the fullness of what it has to offer. And so we spend a lot of time in our prayers letting go of what we don't need anymore. No matter how true it was, how beautiful, how supportive, it won't take us into the new era if we hang on to it. If we hang on to beliefs that we had last week, then we're not preparing ourselves for what is to come because it is a paradigm shift. And a paradigm shift means that it isn't familiar in some ways. And so if we go in with knowledge, you know, certain knowing, if we go in with our teacup full, so nothing else can be poured into it, then we miss the grandeur and the splendor of what's humanly possible, which is what we're promised we will be feeling in that day. And so we move beyond old boundaries, including the boundary of the physical body. It doesn't mean we're going to leave the physical body behind. Some may make that choice, but it does mean that we do not think of ourselves as discrete individuals with unique personalities and their own looks. All of that's affirmed, all of that we love, and it isn't who we are. It isn't who we are. It's just what we're putting on. Our personality is like putting on um, clothes or something, putting on an outfit. And on the mystical path, we are always changing clothes so that we will be as open as possible to receive what's coming. Now, what is coming? For the mystic, that can only mean one thing for sure, which is that what's coming is a deeper, richer ability to love and to receive love. The mystic lives in a world of love. Love is the world of the mystic. And that's, it's not an exaggeration at all to say that everything we behold is love manifesting itself in all its wonder and glory. So beautiful flowers, amazing trees, beautiful mountains, gorgeous people, whatever it is, it exists as an expression 
of the loving divine presence. The mystical experience itself is an experience of discovering and knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Creator is a benevolent Creator and that all the Creator knows how to do is to create in love. And so we know this revelation is on its way to us and so we make some preparations by loving ourselves and loving others and loving the Divine Presence, all of which, of course, are the same thing. Ultimately, it's the same thing. If you love the Divine Presence, you're going to love yourself and you're going to love everyone else because that is the essence of life. So that's the miracle. That's the miracle and the secret of living in this, always in every nanosecond, currently being created reality. This was not just a creation and set in motion like a clock. No, it's always the divine is participating in every moment of our lives. We are being partnered every moment of our lives by the loving Father, Mother, God every moment of our lives. And so one of the things that we practice first is how do we open ourselves up to that love? Is there anything we need to do in terms of allowing ourselves to love who we are individually without reservation? Well, we can't love ourselves without reservation if we see ourselves as separate. If we see ourselves as a part of the mighty congregation of the world, then we are opening ourselves up for new infusions of love. And if we can't love someone else, then that leads us astray. Now, I'm not talking about liking people. You don't have to like everybody. You won't. Yeah, that's, that's a given. However, when we look at someone that we don't like, someone who doesn't respond to us, someone who's mean to us, someone who's cold and indifferent, we can be sure that what we're looking at is love hiding from itself. And in order to help the person who is stuck that way, we send them love. We do not send them judgment. Judgment and criticism And seeing them kind of outside the domain of love as separate from God, then that we go right with them. We're often that no person's land where God's love isn't there. 
But if we bring with them into love by just offering it to them in whatever small or grand way, it helps the love within them remember that they are love. It's just love hiding from itself. No one is rotten to the core. No one. Because the core is always fresh and new. Love and creativity and doing its dance. So as we check in with ourselves to see, can we open our hearts to what's coming? Can we really open that wide so that love becomes huge? We can, really. It's a very interesting thing to do, to go beyond the personality and to imagine yourself as um, a sphere of light. Because ultimately, when you get down beneath everything, that's who we are. We are spheres of light. Now, if you imagine yourself as a sphere of light, and you expand that sphere, to the person you were with, then you're in this sense of oneness and joy and creative energy. In every I-thou expression, there is always the eternal thou. God is always there when we are in relationship as light. So if I imagine myself as a sphere of light and the person I'm with as a sphere of light, we're likely to start in a place of such connection and intimacy that we will have formed, sometimes in a few minutes, a true love relationship. Not only that, we will have brought more love, unconditional love, into the world. And we have many terms for, for love. There is eros, in which we're looking for something that we desire. Valentine's Day is a celebration of that kind of love. Or agape, which is loving without expecting love in return. The end point, the joy, is actually in doing the loving. So it doesn't matter whether it comes back or not. Maybe that person hasn't found the love that's been hiding from itself. So one of the new meditations I am doing in preparation and enjoy is imagining myself a sphere of light. And then if I'm with a client, I imagine she's a sphere of light. And then we can really accomplish something in an hour. The other thing that is a good practice or has worked for me is to extend the sphere beyond that. 
Remember Don Juan's, Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan saying who we really are, are eggs of light, right? And then when we recognize that we're eggs of light, we see everyone else as eggs of light. So we take that egg of light, that sphere of light and love, and we send it down into the heart of Mother Gaia, up to Father Sky, out to our right, out to our left, out from our front, out from our back, and we are in a sea of light. And in that state, we are not in the pernicious influence of the negative ego. The negative ego is the one that keeps saying to you, there's something wrong with you. You're not doing it right. That's the basic message and everybody gets it. There's something defective. We can have choice over our thoughts and we can choose not to have that thought. And I think that is one way, again, of preparing. And the more we experience ourselves as light, the easier it is not to be fooled into thinking there's something wrong with us. So that's one of the things we want to leave behind as we move forward and open our arms to more wonder, joy, and divine presence. And the other thing that we leave behind, and this takes some work, is the inner critic. But I have started this practice where one day a week, I do not listen to the inner critic. <laughs> it's like, I'm taking the day off from you. <laughs> not available. Out of town. Temporarily closed. It's a really good, I'm finding it a really good practice. And I think the more I do it, the less pay attention I pay. Now, I know that some of you here, um, and we have several PhD clinical psychologists, will say that it's important to have an inner critic. And it is, you know, it's, it's kind of our conscience. But give it too much, give it too much attention, and you are suddenly living a lie. Because what that says is not true. That inner critic is not speaking the truth. The truth about you and me and all of us is that we are love remembering love. We are love calling to love. We are in this sphere of knowing love. Now, one of the things that can keep us back from this, Lawrence talked about in his first talk, is the lack of forgiveness. And if you're not forgiving yourself, I mean, if you're not forgiving someone else, you will not be forgiving yourself and you will be bound to that person. And that will run your life. It will limit you. 
And so, as Lawrence was suggesting, and I am also saying, bring up that person that you're angry with or you don't like, and then send them love. Okay? Uh, No matter where they are or in what time period. You know, it may have been something in the seventh grade. Well, send that person love. It's easy. It's the thing to do. If there's protest, the protest will be coming from your ego who likes to hold on to things and isn't in the flow. Because real love is always changing, altering, growing, and expanding. As we live this life, our whole world is love. Our whole world is love. And that's the way we're wanting to move in to the new paradigm, not with knowledge of what that's going to be like, but with prayers of how you want it to be and with the certainty that it'll be about more awareness, more love, and the ability to be, to feel oneness with the Creator. We know that. However, we will have our own personal desires. And so it's a good practice to see yourself fully in the unfolded world and see who you are there. And you'll be, you'll be healthy, you'll be alive, you'll be in love, and you'll be in love with everything. And being in love with everything also means being in gratitude for everything. It's a corollary. You can't do it one without the other, with gratitude. Now, what holds us back from that, besides what I've mentioned and what Lawrence has mentioned? That is the idea of forgiveness or lack of forgiveness. And that forgiveness in every moment has to come into us, into who we are. That's where it's hardest to forgive. But when we have, we're in that place, even though we may not feel it, we must, must ritually forgive ourselves and always make sure that we are forgiving the inner child because it's the inner child that takes the hit. It's the inner child that believes that voice that we're unworthy. That's the inner child. And so holding the child, bringing love to the child is another way of handling it when we are not liking what we're doing. Now, there's another circumstance that can really impede self-love. And that is the circumstance of not being able to stop doing something you don't want to do. 
So, you know, addiction, I suppose, is a big form of that. Because honestly, in that case, you, you don't have any power. The addiction is bigger than you are. And so that's when we have to say, I want to invite into the part of me that is addicted to gossip. I want to bring into that, I want to bring the light of the Christ into that. I want to bring the light of the Christ into my addictions or my bad habits. I want to bring the light of Christ into that. And then grieve the fact that you have this bad habit. Let yourself grieve that. And then, again, bring light into it. And then let go, because all you have now is faith in the divine and trust in the divine. Also, it's the same, the same um, teaching applies to when you're not getting what you want and you have wanted it so badly. So I, my heart always breaks when I have a client who comes in and says she's been trying to get pregnant for years and years and it's just not happening and she prays about it and so on. What's she going to do? Grieve it. Bring light into it. And then trust and wait. And Richard Rohr has a wonderful concept that I love, which is doing that puts you in God's waiting room. Right? It's like, okay, I'm here. Me next, please. But there's, there's kind of nothing you can do because you're powerless over those things. It's not humanly possible. And we know it can only happen with the intervention of the divine. And when it doesn't happen for years and years and years or months and months, then we can fall into despair and inevitably open the door for the negative ego to give you a million and one reasons why you're not in control and why you're doing things the wrong way, and this is a consequence. So better to go into the waiting room and say, and I've gotten in the habit of saying this almost every morning when I got out of bed, okay, I'm in your waiting room on a number of issues. <laughs> I'm waiting here, I'm here. Next. So that's a, another way that we get to the place of, of being able to love ourselves in difficult circumstances. The other time that it may be difficult for us to love ourselves is when we are in a dark place. When we are in the dark night of the soul, huge or small, but when it is just dark. It is just darkness and we can't see the light. 
But we've seen it, and once we've seen it, we know it's always there. It's always there. So we know this is our imagination. But it still hurts. Still hurts to go through periods of darkness like that. So again, that's one of the things. Grieve it. Really grieve it. Turn toward, turn toward the darkness. And then go take your seat in the waiting room. I was saying at the beginning that the threefold love commandment that Jesus gives is actually uh, from uh, the book of Deuteronomy and the Torah. Um, he's actually quoting that. So it's really from ancient Judaism. But he says, uh, love God, love your neighbor, love yourself, right? Your neighbor is yourself. That's one thing. From the mystical perspective, that's one thing. You cannot love God without loving yourself and loving the other. You can't. That is impossible. So it's one love, the mystical love that grows out of that commandment. And then in that verse, it says, they're in all the laws and the prophets. Or as St. Augustine said in the fourth century, love and do whatever you want to. It's not about anything but love. So this is love calling to love. This is light calling to light. And the more we can picture ourselves as spheres of light, really as a practice and do it. I know there's so many counselors here. Again, see your, your patient, your client as a ball of light and you get past all of that preliminary stuff that is unbelievably boring. Especially if you've been in practice for a few years. I don't want to hear this story again. Thank you. <laughs> It's, it's the therapists who are laughing here, I can tell you, right? So mystical love, the love of, of all that is, is a state of being. It is a feeling, yes. It is a knowing, yes. It's a realization. It's a realization of oneness. It's a realization. It's a feeling, it's a knowing. But most of all, it's really a state of being. It's the way we are. It's a way of being. And that's the promise of the mystical life, that we live in that way of being. Now, all kinds of love come forth out of this divine love that we're speaking of. All love does. And again, there are many kinds of love. Filial love, paternal love, maternal love, romantic love, and love of life. 
lots of kinds of love. But since this is St. Valentine's Day, I'm going to propose that we sing a song that's about romantic love. All right. Yeah? Yeah. Do you have any words that you can offer people? <laughs> and we decided also, this is mystical love, but we also decided when we chose the song that it's God singing to you, right? It's God singing to all of us. <laughs> this is taking a long time, honey. <laughs> so we, uh, I'll do a little introduction, then we'll sing it, then I'll do just a little improv improvisation, and then we'll sing it again. And then we will listen to Lawrence's final talk. And then we'll become one huge sphere of light and send it out into the world. <laughs> Sound good? <laughs> yeah, and while Lawrence is doing that, I still... I have to say one more thing about love. And that is, it is amazing how deeply we can love people. And I'm looking out at this congregation of people and I'm thinking of, oh my gosh, I love them so much. And that's a good practice too. Think of the people you just adore. <laughs> and think of how much they adore you. <laughs>
do you follow that? <laughs> well, holding your own heart, holding the hearts of others, being held in the heart of God. I especially love that song because it felt like repeatedly to me that it is God singing to me and that I am the sweetheart and that God is whispering and I'm whispering back, I love you. And so we open, especially through this remarkable temple of ours, our embodiment, we open remembering the mudra today of this. Yes, you're just receiving in the love and giving it out. And it can be a continuous action. Mudra has a long and ancient history in many traditions. And may it help evoke in you the awareness of the subtle energies and the awareness of the deepening love. Remembering, allowing the arisings without judgment. Holding my heart for better or for worse, no resistance, just allowing. Holding my fearing or angry or grieving heart. Loving and accepting myself exactly as I am, a precious child of God. I wanted a little help today to complete our musing from Grandfather Rumi. So opening to guidance, the mystic one, presence, the great spirit, the great mother, the gentle whisper. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. The wound is the place where the light enters you. What you seek is seeking you. Here is a relationship booster that is guaranteed to work. Every time your spouse, lover, or friend says something stupid, make your eyes light up as if you just heard something brilliant. Sell your cleverness and buy bewilderment. <laughs> Silence is the language of God. All else is poor translation. <laughs> Being grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Letting the beauty we love be what we do there are a hundred ways to kneel and kiss the ground yesterday I was clever so I wanted to change the world today I am wise so I am changing myself <laughs> what hurts you blesses you. Darkness is your candle.
These pains you feel are messengers. Listen to them. Put your thoughts to sleep. Do not let them cast a shadow over the moon of your heart. Let go of thinking. Let silence take you to the core of life. Love calls everywhere and always. We're skybound. Are you coming? Namaste. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you.